What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan. Today, we're going all in. All right, I have a very special guest for you today. And as I'm looking at this, I, I believe, it, it may be the case, it may not be the case, but I believe, and this is kind of cool, that this is the first time All In has ever hosted a guest with a PhD. And th this is phenomenal, right? Because I, the amount of work you have to go in to do that, I relate it back to when I was ordained as a pastor, how I had to write my own dissertation on my own statement of beliefs and defend them. Uh, to the, this panel of people it was a it was an insane time going through that and, and it, it means a lot you know those types of things mean a lot when you have to state what you believe and and your thesis and, and the way you see the world and then you have to defend it after that too so i'm excited because this guy not an not like phd is anything small but He's been in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Amazon best-selling author of A Time to Lead, Mastering Yourself, amongst a whole bunch of other things like coaching CEOs, I mean, Fortune 100 CEOs, from what I can see here, just incredible. I, th this is super long. Craig Dowden, what's shaking, my man? <laughs> I, see, hey, Rick. I, I see the bio, and I'm like, this is what people like do when they read mine, no joke, because they're like, where do I start? But there's so much stuff, man. And, and I'm going to start with this question, because we've got a whole bunch of topics. First, it's good to have you. I'm grateful for you being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's awesome. I've been really excited about this conversation. Good, good, man. I, that's good because as I'm, you've got an amazing top half percent, like zero point five percent podcast in the world, and all of these things, right? And uh, I feel it because when when I guest on shows that they're going through the bio, they're like, "Geez, can we just like pick one or two things?" Because there's so much stuff. It's like I'm a cybersecurity CEO, but then I produced a couple of documentaries, right? I have a podcast and I did stand up on Broadway. You know, I, I go to CEO events and coach CEOs that I I also, you know, invest, you know, so there's a bunch of all these different things, but, they, but they're like, dude, it's like, and I want to ask you, because nobody's ever asked me this question, right? So we're flipping the tables today. It's like, how in the world do you think that somebody in a lifetime can just expand their horizons to all of these different areas? You know, and because it, it, it's that phrase like the the master, uh, or the, what is it? I can't. The jack of all trades. That's it. I can't remember. Right. The jack of all <laughs> trades and master of none. You yeah. Know? But that's not the case with guys like you and I, because I think we have a foundational focus. But give me your perspective on that, please, about doing all of this. Well, thank you for uh, for welcoming and great, and thank you for a great opening question. Uh, and when I was looking at your bio as well, uh, you know, just spoke to me and when we were getting to know each other. And I think, you know, something that I really resonate with you, Rick, is that just feel like this passion for learning, yeah. passion for growth, passion for development. Yep. Intentional like, you know, curiosity, in. right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like all in. And I think for me, in every area that I pursue, I just love having great conversations like today. Yeah learning from extraordinary thought leaders and accomplished executives like yourself. And so I just, I approach it like a sponge and go, how do I get more of this? And even when I'm on vacation, I take books and podcasts that I'm going to interview on my own, <laughs> do good to lead well. And then people say, well, don't you get tired of it? Don't you want to bring a different kind of book? And I'm like, mm, yeah. no, I just love it. It's just everything, every single day I wake up grateful for what I do with whom I do it with. 
And then the opportunity to have these kinds of discussions. There's nothing more I'd rather do. I love that, man. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a qualifier for a lot of things. You know, even when I, when we hire people, you know, there, cause there's certain roles you can have in, in a company, right? And I, I'm a growing company, eight figure cybersecurity company. We just went public. And the one thing that I see about people that advance in the organization, people that continuously grow, you know, and I, one, I'm not naive. I say this all the time. I am not naive, man, to think that everybody that joins our team will stick around forever. You know, because uh, I also like, I take fulfillment, not in just allowing a, an environment for that, for people to grow with an unlimited capacity, but also as somebody who can plant seeds in people so that they can grow here, but then also take that and grow somewhere else too. You know, I, there's no ego involved in that. You know, if I'm a seed planter, I'm awesome. If I can see them all the way to the, to where they bloom, I feel great too. You know, because I'm still just a portion of that along the way. But everyone that I see that advances well always has that intentional curiosity. And it's something that's cultivated. You know, some people have it. And I want your take on this too, man, because you've seen this. Some people, you know, like, like my mom explains to me, she has before. You know, I don't bring my mom up too much, but today I am. Here I am. Today I'm the mama's boy. All right. My mom has said this, dude, that... When you were one year old, we're taking you on the merry-go-round and you're just like staring up. You're not enjoying the ride. You're staring up and looking at how all the pieces connect, right? So that natural born, but others I've seen cultivate and almost practice and build that muscle of curiosity. You know, what is your perspective on those two groups of people? And if you're not the one with birth, you know, kind of like I was, how do you cultivate that? Yeah, and it's such an important point. And I, I came across this great quote the other day uh, where, and I forget who it was that said it, but basically, you can only scale your team and your company as quickly as you can scale yourself. Mm. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. That's amazing. And so and curiosity is at the heart of that. Because if we get to the place where I feel like, okay, I've made it and I've interviewed and coached CEOs and executives like this, and I'm sure you've come across them as well, is that, well, I've gone to the apex of Mount Knowledge, and now I'm excited to share everything I've learned. I've yeah. basically absorbed all that I can. And so now we're missing out on an incredible opportunity to keep growing, an incredible opportunity to keep developing. And so that innate curiosity, that learned curiosity, the ability to ask questions, the ability to dig deeper, the ability to get really granular and understand on a, on a much more profound level what's happening and have that insatiable desire to understand. It just serves you so well. And I think the other thing which I loved about uh, your setup of this as well is the humility that you talked about, right? You were saying, hey, I'm here, I'm building a company, and it's not surprising how successful you've been, and congratulations, Thank you. it's amazing. Thank you. And again, in my work, that's the secret sauce. Like, as you said, I'm cultivating an environment where people can be at their best, and I'm enjoying the time that they're here so I can support them in that pursuit. And if they go on elsewhere, awesome. Like, there's no, it doesn't, this is great. I'm happy we had this time together. I want to set up an environment to thrive. And so I think those two elements uh, going together, that curiosity and that humility, those are almost like a dynamic duo 
because to really be interested in learning as much as you can, and then also have the outlook to go, I don't know everything. There's lots that I can learn from different perspectives and people. So I think that is the, the foundation for being successful. That's a great perspective, man. Thank you for diving deep into those two, two arenas. Cause it's, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's go on the negative side of the coin for a moment, if you don't mind along the same topic, because there are those who do not cultivate the curiosity, you know, who think that I, I I've got what I've got. And then that's what I'm going to put into the world, which fine, you know, great. You know, maybe that's all in, maybe that's a version of all in for them is that this is what I'm going to do. But for those that are, are struggling where they see other people that are becoming more successful around them, you know, for those that, that are advancing beyond them, you know, maybe they, they are working in a company and their peer was promoted over them who used to be under them. Yeah, so it's a, you see all these things. And I mean, at the very core, I know they're bruises to ego, right? How can you help somebody shift a mindset between looking outward, right? And trying to recognize that curiosity that that individual probably had that actually accelerated them to looking inward where it's like, how do I actually cultivate that in me? Well, and I love that question and had the pleasure of welcoming Doug Conant, the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company, oh, awesome. who engineered one of the greatest turnarounds yeah. in the history of Gallup engagement. And he touches on exactly your uh, point, Rick, around, well, leadership starts from within. We have to look inward in order to really pivot in those circumstances. So if I'm looking at someone, and understandably so, and as you say, we all have an ego. Like, let's not pretend we all don't have egos. Oh, we certainly do, yeah. That's okay. Like, yep. it's healthy self-confidence. We have to believe in ourselves and, and have that in perspective. Now, when that's hurt by that, now I have an opportunity where someone's there accomplishing something that I want to accomplish. And it really reminds me of the fantastic work with Carol Dweck, Round mm. Growth Mindset. Rather than being that's a threatened great book, by man. <laughs> that's a fantastic book. Yeah, absolutely. And rather than being threatened by them, rather than being frustrated, rather than saying, well, here are all the reasons why this is happening. How about if we split the switch and then we said, wow, what can I learn from this person? Right? The success leaves clues. What are the things that they were doing? How can I go and ask them deep questions? Because one of the cool things, a lot of people love when you ask them for advice. A lot of people love when they see you as an expert or someone who can provide some valuable insight. So now rather being threatened by that and shutting down, and then that essentially guarantees we're going to say where we are, how can I learn from this? What are things that are within my control that I can do that I can say to capitalize? And I think what's critical, and I love how you talked about the book uh, and Carol Dweck's work, is that, well, our mindset has a foundational role on what our experiences are and the things that we say and the choices we make and the behaviors we exhibit. So recognizing that as a key influencer for us, really, really key. That's, that's awesome. Before I dive into where my brain's going here, what is your PhD in? Just a, a psychology and business. It is perfect. Awesome. Then I'm, I'm going to dive into my next question. I had a thought process and the, all right, we're going to go into this here. So in those moments, cause I mean, a, a lot of what we're talking about is, uh, 
you know, without minimizing it, because you're making some profound points, some absolute profound points. A lot of is, a lot of it is very much, and I, dude, I'm, I do this all the time too. It's like theoretical, right? At least to it's to our listeners, people who are listening to us, whether we're on stage, on a podcast, on TV, whatever. It's like, okay, that's great for you. You know, like what we say, so, you know, it sounds good for you. Dude, I've heard that 18 million times, you know, it's like, it's like, but, but application, you know, around what you were just saying, you know, cause uh, the first emotion that I can think of in those moments about what we're describing, you know, when, when we see, if you want to, it's a bad word, but I'll use it natural selection, right? If we, if we think that it's natural selection because something better happened to somebody else rather than us, you know, rather than looking inward, it, in those moments, the first emotion that usually comes out is anger. Right. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, cause, and then there could be jealousy, there can be envy, you know, and everything else that flows along with that. They're kind of the evil cousins, if you want to put it that way, you know, cause anger in itself is actually, it can be a very healthy emotion. You know, it can cause some great shifts and there's, there's very ways to very good ways to have almost like a positive anger towards things and you should be angry about some things, you know, but the anger I'm talking about has those evil cousins of love, jealousy, envy when you see those things take place. So in, in those scenarios, you know, what is an application? You know, what, what, the, what can somebody do in their mindset right then and there, you know, to, to, to calm down, reflect, and then actually do exactly what you're saying? Well, and I want to thank you for beautifully setting this up for me. <laughs> the layup, brother. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like, boom, right across the net, right? Because you nailed it, uh, Rick, in terms of emotions. And, and right away, emotions bubble up. And one of the things that can happen, and, and I'm a positive psychologist by training as well. At the same time, all emotions are important. And Just valid, trying to focus. Right. Sorry. <laughs> and valid. All emotions and are valid. valid yes. Exactly. All of them yeah. are valid and valuable. And the perspective that I love is that our emotions are data points. Whatever our emotions are, they are data points. And they're basically, and one of the best ways I've heard it described is positive emotions let us know that we're in alignment. Our lives are where we would like them to be or what's happening in our circumstance. Negative emotions like anger are telling us we're out of alignment. Mm. And I love your point that it can be an incredibly valuable emotion. It's telling us something. And so right away, what I find is so important is to think about, okay, so how am I feeling about this? And whatever emotion that we're feeling, it's actually providing us with a roadmap for the steps we have to take. And that's what I love. And rather than judge it, because a lot of us will judge an emotion as an example, like I shouldn't be angry at this. And now we're minimizing a chance to learn from it. And in fact, in a lot of my coaching work, Rick, like what I will say is the more that you feel that your feeling is disconnected from how you should be responding, you want to be more curious, not less. Because now you're even recognizing that disconnect hmm. and sitting with that emotion longer, understanding what it's trying to tell you, recognizing what are the things that really bubble this emotion to the surface. Now this is valuable, not just for the current moment where I'm in, it also is instructive for the future. When I feel that emotion again, okay, what's going on? And you hear so much work and so much commentary around, so how do we survive? How do we thrive 
in the world of today and tomorrow when it's incredibly disrupted? Well, it's being in control of our emotions. And so there's it's something you said. If I can interrupt you for a sec, there's something you said a little bit back that that really kind of grabbed at me and I don't want to blow past it because I think it's so profound, dude. Uh, when you said that what you're feeling is disconnected from how you think you should be responding. Yeah, and, and I, I think that all of us, right, have had those moments where we're, we're in the midst of a conflict and you, you're, you're acting one way because of how you're feeling, but there's still that voice in the back of your head that's saying, what the fuck? Why are you doing this? You know, this is not the way you want to treat this person. It's almost like this screaming thing that's kind of got like a uh, duct tape over its mouth, trying to get you to get back on track with who you really are. I was like, oh, 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 oh. you know, but, but that's, that's what it is. It's like, we all have that thing in our head, you know, call it a conscience or whatever else, but it's literally saying like WTF dude, this isn't you. Why are you treating this person that you love so much? Why are you treating this employee that you care about so much? Why are you treating this friend such a horrible way it's been friends for two decades you know and that's the disconnect but we have that voice i think all of us does a voice of reason a conscience whatever you want to call it but in that moment how like how dude how do you get those back in sync when you've got the emotion that took over right i, I love having you on today because these are questions i've always wanted to ask them. like i got an expert let's go after it you know we're, we're diving yeah. in okay how do you how do you realign that in the moment you know how do you catch yourself yeah i love amazing question uh and i'm loving this conversation this is why i was so Good, excited me too. to talk to you because it was just like this is gonna be a playground time like this is just fantastic yep. i'm and sure people listening are like oh yeah that's me you know i, I just go <laughs> off and then all of a sudden it's like it's like wait i got this voice i'm like but i don't want to treat this person this way absolutely so a couple of things i'll approach it from a couple of different angles uh, Stephen Covey had a great quote um, that I'll paraphrase where he said, you know, between the stimulus and the response, there's space for our choice. And Whoa. that is critical. I love that. Right. Because what can happen from Say that again, between emotion, stimulus and a response, there is space for choice. There's a I choice. Wow. There's space for a choice. And if we believe so, and again, I love your example where it's like, well, I couldn't control myself, right? I just, my emotions just hijacked me. Okay, fair enough. And yet we have choice in that space. And now by really being intentional, it's amazing, right? How do you build a business? How do you become a keynote speaker? How, if you're looking to, you know, bodybuild or run a marathon, what do you do? You do reps. And it's amazing to me that think about the profound impact that mm, emotions yeah. have on our lives and how little time we spend most, they're just kind of there, they're part of our experiences. So being more intentional, being more reflective, again, going, wow, I just absolutely tore someone apart, brought them to the woods. <laughs> I really sucked in that moment. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I'm brutal. Like what? And then now you go, okay, so now I have choices. What happened? What did they say? What did they do? What was going on? Like, did I not sleep well? Did I not eat well? What was happening so I can learn? These are the potential triggering events, right? That can replicate yeah, that in yeah. the future. And then I can also go back to the person and go, Rick, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I had no business 
That was just completely wrong. It's inexcusable what I said, what I did. And this relationship is too important to me. That's not who I who I am and who I want to be. I apologize. Like, how can we make this? How can we make this right? These are all choices. And to step back from a strategy standpoint, like again, if you say, okay, so how do we? And I love that question because that's what I'm passionate about. The subtitle of my first book was The Science and Practice of Positive Leadership. Mm. Again, theory, ideas, great. What do we do with them? Uh, I collaborated on my latest book with Alan Mullally, the former CEO of Ford Motor Company. And he had the definition of authentic leadership, which I think is awesome. He said, authentic leadership, or you can even say authenticity, is when our values, our beliefs, and our behaviors are in alignment. Mm. The only thing that people see is our behaviors, and then they're going to make assumptions. So one critical exercise that we can do, and I work with very senior executives, C-suite executives, and I'll ask them routinely, what are your values? What are the core values that drive you and your leadership or life philosophy? And it's a lot harder to answer. And many of us have never sat down and said, okay, what are my core values? What are the five to six values, those core beliefs that drive how I show up in the world? Now with those values, when we've done that reflection and think about how am I going to behave, again, what a powerful opportunity for us to now carry that learning forward. So if one of my core values is respect, well, when we start to get into a heated discussion, now that's a wonderful way that I can remind myself, well, respect isn't taking Rick out to the woodshed. Respect isn't about making a personal attack. And so people that I work with and executives that, that, that I've spoken with, they'll read those values every day and say, hey, how am I going to live those values today? What is that going to look like in my business and my personal life? And then at the end of the day, really getting granular, they come home and they do a scorecard, huh, right? Wow. Like, and I so mean, I might be a little is, stuck back in the woodshed because I don't ever want to go to the woodshed. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> right. you know, I don't know what's involved in the woodshed. You know, it's the first time I've heard that phrase used. That's amazing. It sounds like a bad place, Greg. Sounds like Greg. Sounds like a really bad place. I don't want to go to the woodshed. <laughs> don't take me to the woodshed. Thanks. <laughs> but, no, that's but no, amazing. But no, you're, you're right. I'm yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't want to rake this guy over the coals. You know, there's another metaphor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's so important in terms of, well, now we can start to think about, okay, how did I do today? How did I actually live and lead with my values? What To what extent was I respectful? And then taking five minutes to reflect on that, fabulous. Yeah, that's good. The reflection part is, is essential. It absolutely is. Even if you have resolution and reconciliation in the moment, re- resolution, reconciliation, and repair. I like the three R's. You know, I don't know. I, I've never done a show on the three R's. I need to do a show on the three R's and talk about that. <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah. And it's like I just come up with another idea right there because I've talked about it. But in that process, the reflection is so important. You know, even after you might have repaired everything in in the moment with that individual, you know, even it's, and it doesn't matter the relationship, right? It could be a could be a spouse, could be a partner, could be an employee, could be a manager, could be could be any any sort of interactive 
relationship you have in your life. You know, and notice I use the word interactive. I'm not talking with yes. somebody you're trolling on social media. You know, that's a totally different psychological perspective that I don't think we're going to get into today. But <laughs> yeah, great. Cool. And Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Maybe you got a point on yeah, that. That's great. Let's fight. Here we go. We're diving into the weeds, everybody. We're going out to the woodshed <laughs> with Craig and we're talking about social media yes. trolls. Here we go. Exactly. <laughs> now we've really kind of, we've taken a, yep. <laughs> taken the off ramp. And why I'm excited is you talked about reflection. And what I wanted to link back to is one of the key terms you, you started this conversation with Rick, which is curiosity. Reflection is curiosity. Yeah. And yeah. in a world that moves so fast, time for reflection. I hear that all the time. I just don't have time. I don't have time. How do we learn? How do we grow? And I love that you focus on that. And I would absolutely recommend doing that episode. <laughs> reflection is so yeah. key because without reflection, what are we doing? We're doing. Yep, for sure. Are we learning? Possibly. Likely not if we're not reflecting because reflection is intentional. Reflection is curious and that maximizes the chances to learn. I remember someone mm, saying, yeah. you know, a great uh, observation. Someone said, well, I've been doing this 30 years. I must be doing something right. And the response was, no, you may have 30 years of one, a one year cycle repeated 30 times. No joke. Yeah. And even if they think they've done it right, what about all the capacity limitations that you've placed upon yourself in those 30 years because you were not curious about the differences? Yeah. And reflection too. Uh, another word I like for that is digestion. Yeah, because it's a uh, mm. reflection is not something, at least in my opinion, that is done in five minutes and then you're you're out, right? That, that's the only reflective period that you have. You can you can maybe meditate on it for five minutes, and this is something that helps me. You can maybe meditate on it for five minutes, but don't walk away from that that five minutes of reflection and think that's it, because digestion, like just like food, it's slow. You know, and, and it's the same thing. It's like the bigger the the conflict that you might have had with somebody, like the bigger the meal you eat, the longer it's going to take to digest, the longer it's going to take to reflect. It all depends on the enormity of the scenario that you were just in. You know, it's a, I think that the it's almost a direct proportion, Craig, is when I see it, it's like the curiosity has to be even in a greater proportion to match the amount of the confliction that you might have just experienced. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a, you know, mic drop observation right there in terms of- I need of, a noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you think of, you know, situations, and again, in this extraordinarily fast-paced world, we're just looking to bounce to the next yeah. thing. And, and I really appreciate that separation that you're making between reflection and digestion because- Yes, we want to sit with things longer. And and situations that are more complex, it requires us to yeah. sit with things longer because we're going to be processing so much more emotion and so many more pieces around this. And that really, once again, and, and thinking of, okay, so practical side, and then yeah. how does that impact us and our success? Well, the vast majority of people are probably not going to spend Maybe some will do reflection. How many will do digestion? Sit with it and take that time. So really by sitting with those things longer, it really positions us to show up in a much more authentic and powerful way in the future, investing now to save time and impact in the future. Yeah. 
I want to I want to end with a thought here, you know, around what you're saying and around where we're going with this, because it, there's there's one big item, you know, it's kind of like the elephant in the room that I think that can prevent the reflection, you know, prevent the the digestion. And I believe if you, I mean, they might be cousins, right? But it, it's guilt or self-loathing, you know, and that could prevent you because it's it it becomes like the and I just had a post this morning, right? Like choosing it was about choosing your words and it, like especially to yourself in private, whether it's others in in public or especially to yourself in private. It's like you need to choose wisely because you're setting yeah. up your future space, you know. So it's like literally your life depends on it, right? Uh, that guilt or that self-loathing because it, i mean it, it's i once heard a phrase by a good friend of mine that said you can never feel bad enough to make somebody else feel good uh, and in those moments it's like how do you how do you move past or wh what would you tell everyone who gets stuck in that because that voice right that we were talking about earlier finally took over <laughs> we, we we finally brought ourselves back down but now that same voice that I was saying, hey, stop, you idiot, you, you love this person or you really care for this person or this person's valuable to your company. And after the fact, it changes a little bit and the voice is like, you idiot, why'd you do that? You know, it's, it's, it, that's the after the fact. So, it, it, you know, so how do, we, how do we overcome that guilt or that negative self-talk so that we can have some healthy reflection and have compassion and empathy for ourselves, man. Beautiful. No, I, and I think that's such an important question and something for all of us to, to think about. And I would refer uh, your listeners to the work of Dr. Kristen Neff. Uh, mm. She's done extraordinary work on self-compassion and the power of being kind to ourselves. And you nailed it because if we are in that guilt and shame spiral, well, then how can we create time to reflect? How can we take time to digest? And what I love about her work is, is when she talks about the power of self-kindness, and there's over 5,000 studies on this. So anybody who wants to check it out, it's extraordinary. And it impacts our mental health, our physical health, our innovation, on and on and on and on and on. One of the best pieces of evidence-based insight that she shares in her research, and I love this, where she says, okay, if we're stuck in that really negative self-talk spiral, one of the things that we can do to hit the pause button, if you will, is say, okay, what advice would I give a friend in the same situation? So if Rick showed up and said, hey, oh, wow, you know, yeah. I had this tough conversation and here's what happened, would I go on board and say, well, you know, you idiot, what'd you do that for? <laughs> no, I would say, hey, like, we're all human, which is a part of self-compassion. We are fallible creatures. We're going to mess up. We make mistakes. It's essential to learn from those. We're mistakes. always better at giving advice to our friends and taking our own advice for ourselves, aren't we? Brilliant. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite expressions is take my advice because I won't use it anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> And it's exactly the point that you shared. So one of the power, one of the things I love about her research around this is that, well, if I step back and say, okay, what advice would I give to a friend? As you said, we're better at giving advice to others than we are taking it. And then simultaneously what it does back to the shift in perspective that we're talking about, the reflection, 
now I'm going to the balcony, as sometimes they talk about it in the space of difficult conversations, where now I'm more observational. And what it does is short circuit that negative self-talk. And it allows me to have more perspective, which maximizes the chances I'm going to give an insightful answer. And what she asks, and I think it's very provocative, she'll say, well, if this is advice that you would give to a friend or a family member or a loved one, and it's good advice, what makes this, you know, not good advice for you? So very powerful, once again, reflection uh, opportunity. That's awesome. Craig, man, we've gone from the woodshed to the balcony today, brother. <laughs> it's been a phenomenal conversation and I appreciate you. It looks like we can find you, I mean, pretty much everywhere, but craigdowden.com, you know, and man, I appreciate your work. I appreciate everything that you've done. You've given a lot of insights today. I hope people can take some sound bites from this episode because it, it's like all the, they're not even one-liners. They're just like good, solid advice and ways to move. Man, I, I'm excited because for everyone listening, it's I don't know if it's published yet or not, but Craig, I mentioned it earlier, has a podcast that uh, that we're about to record an episode of me on his, you know, which is I'm, I'm very grateful and honored to, to go on his show too. Craig, tell everybody about your podcast and we'll wrap this up, brother, for today. No, well, thank you. This was awesome. And I, I admire everything that you've done. Thank you. That, that you've accomplished. And, and more importantly, who you are and how you go about your space in the world. I think that's such a critical part. And that's why I wanted to welcome you on my podcast, Do Good to Lead Well. And it comes out every Thursday. And I interview top CEOs, best-selling authors, amazing thought leaders, and Rick, you follow oh, thank these you. categories. <laughs> so, and it's awesome. And sometimes I have the privilege of it's a it's a unique experience. So uh, this has just been an absolute joy and, and thank you so, so much. Wonderful, Craig. My man, you're amazing. Appreciate your insights. First ever PhD on the show with, with All In with Rick Jordan. It's been an amazing conversation. Thanks, brother. Thank you.